welcome to the Harry Potter Virgin. Three Potterheads guide a wizarding world virgin on their first journey from platform nine and three quarters. On this show, our resident muggle Rob will share his experience of reading the original Harry Potter series for the first time in his 30-something years. He'll be helped along the way by three veterans of the Potterverse. This is series three, episode eight, The Robich Final. Oh, Matt. Just pausing for that. Today... We are covering chapters 15 and 16 of book three, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. They are the Quidditch final and Professor Trelawney's prediction. Before Rob joins us, let me bring in my co-host to set the scene. Welcome, Millers. Hello. And Phil. Scourgeify. Scourgeify. Is that because Millers is so bloody dirty? Yeah. Phil, one of my kids this morning um, told me I looked Students. <laughs> That's so harsh. God, imagine, imagine they saw me. And she, she was like, I was like, what? And she said, did you have a bad sleep? Because you look a mess. Imagine saying that to your teacher. That's a cliche, but I was kids just, these days. What did you say, Millers? I was really taken aback because also she's a really good girl. And I was just like, it's not very nice. What I will say is there does seem to be a thing in Millers' school where the teachers um, wear jeans. Yeah, like, and it's not even Jeans for Jeans Day. <laughs> What's Jeans for Jeans Day? Are you serious? You didn't have Jeans for Jeans Day in Wales? No. Jeans for Jeans Day is where you wear jeans to school. For what? For what? People with bad jeans. <laughs> it was a charity. I don't you know. Had to give I don't know. Yeah, you had to pay. <laughs> some some schools may still do it. If your school does Jeans for Jeans Day, us. Harry Potter Virgin on Instagram or the Harry Potter Virgin on Facebook. An, an absolute paucity of owl posts and muggle mail this week, I must say. Phil, do you have any? I've got none. I don't mean to criticise, dear listeners, but... Well, no, I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to criticise you, but just pointing out, the, the mailbag, I think, is virtually empty. My friend Michelle just gave told me that she'd made a complaint had, this week. Yeah. What about... Wasn't it about... What it was, was it about? It was about the title... And I said, I completely agree with you, but like, it's got nothing to do with me. What was the title last week? Um, the Petro Rob. Great title. She thought it should be the Rob Tronus. No, Rabonus. Rabonus. Yeah, Rabonus. No, because... She's right. I think she's right. Let's talk about these chapters then, the Quidditch final and Professor Trelawney's prediction. Guys, who's excited? I'm buzzing. I'm so excited to hear what he says about these chapters. He always has a bit of Quidditch. Um, yeah. He'll also really like the exams because he likes things that are relatable. I think he'll really enjoy these and I think he will find it all really relatable. And he loves a bit of Quidditch, but I think he'll love this Quidditch more than he's loved any other Quidditch because of like the shit tactics. And because they win. Yeah. Oh yeah, and because they win. He'll like that. But mainly he'll like the like elbows in the face and the like, shit, yeah. you know, the body checking. And, the... and Lee Jordan. Oh, loads he's of Lee Jordan. Lee Jordan. McGonagall losing so it. You know, he's... Yeah. Um, and I also think he'll like the fact that it's taken till book three for them to win. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay, well, let's see what happens. Shall we okay. bring him in? Let's do it. Let's bring him in. Hello, Rob. All right, nerds. Hey. Smiley, hey. smiley nerds I see before me. Rob, <laughs> Rob, have you noticed anything about Phil this week? Uh, she's wearing a different jumper. Yeah, 
well, it's the same jumper, but it's in a different colour. Same jumper, but black, isn't it, mate? Good variation. Yeah. It's like my wardrobe. I was going to say, Rob's wardrobe could definitely be described as, you know, same jumper, but black. Yeah, except feels like the jumper is orange. Yeah. Orange is and to be honest with you, orange doesn't really suit me. <laughs> Rob, hot take, chapter 15, the Quidditch final. Well, it was a bit of a roller coaster this one. So it was it was heading towards the first five, I'll be honest, as okay. I moved through the chapter. Okay. And then like like Harry pulling up on his broomstick, at the end it came through. And spoiler alert, it's gonna be an eight. <gasps> oh. Just for the big finish. That's fantastic. Just for the win. Yeah, That's... I was I was in, I was in the emotion of it. Oh, it was I, just yeah. The the way the way the sort of the emotion around the winning was pulled together. It 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 yeah. I was I was I was involved. Okay, we'll come back to that. Oh, that's wonderful. Hot take on Professor Trelawney's prediction, chapter sixteen. Yeah, so there was there was there was a couple of things that annoyed me in this chapter. Um, it was all right, but it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't wasn't one of the better ones, I reckon. Okay, fine. That's that's fine. That's hot enough. Bill, let's have a walk through chapter 15. Awesome. So um, this chapter very much kind of opens off the back. back of the last chapter, which is how stories work, really, isn't well, it? Well, actually, some books, not really. But sometimes no. (laughs) Different different books, different styles. (laughs) It's almost the same conversation, isn't it? Yeah, it follows straight on this one. So Hermione's got some news. So what's the news she's got, Rob? Yeah, so the the um is it is this no, it's not the appeal. They they lost it's not the appeal trial. And um (laughs) yeah, his 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 execution date's fixed. Um Little chuckle there from Rob at the execution. Yeah, Rob, but I don't understand what's funny. About no, that. sorry, I was chuckling because I was I was reading um, where Hagrid calls him Beaky, which I enjoyed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's so sad. It is so sad. So, and um, obviously because it's in this heightened state of emotion, and it's all forgotten, isn't it? Everybody's friends again. Hermione says she's sorry about Scabbers. Gives Ron a hug. I think some of that tension's broken now. Yeah, it's nice to see in it. Sometimes it's these big, these big moments where it will put stuff in perspective. Um, yeah, absolutely. Big hug. Yeah, it was all for that. Yeah, yeah. Hermione says sorry. Everything's forgotten. How's Hagrid? They decide to go down and see Hagrid. How how is he? He's yeah, he's pretty downbeat. Obviously, he's kind of blaming himself for for fucking up the trial a bit. We know it's very political, but. Can you just talk us through what what's happened from like a, a more political perspective? Yeah, there's a bit bit of corruption at play. Malfoy's dad is um, has basically frightened the committee, who seem to yeah. be like just a bunch of old boys, um, into into agreeing the execution. So the, obviously they're talking to Hagrid during care of magical creatures. After that lesson, they're heading back to the castle. They can overhear a bit of. Um, Malfoy, Crab, and Gore's conversation. What's going on there? Yeah, so they're taking the piss out of Hagrid, and uh, it boils over a bit. 
Hermione is obviously quite emotional and angry and uh, gives him a gives him a little slap, which was enjoyable. I think it's like a full on like the type of slap that would sting. Yeah, it's a shocker. There's there's like a split second of like what's happened. Yeah, and like they literally don't know what to do. Yeah, how do, like how do you feel about that? Yeah, it was nice to see some of the readers, uh, you know, a manifestation of the reader's emotion, because uh, we've all wanted to give him a slap for a long time. So that was good to see. Yeah, and how do you feel about Hermione being the one to do it? Uh, yeah, I mean, good honor, good work. She's always been my favorite character, despite you guys <laughs> slagging off. We asked you who your favourite was, and it was someone you'd, we'd mentioned once or something, wasn't it? <laughs> wasn't it Deacon Stigger? No, I think it was, wasn't it Wood? Or no, Lee Jordan? Dean. It was Lee Jordan. Was it Jordan? Jordan. Yeah, Wood's, Wood's gone a bit over the top now. He's a bit too stressed, a bit too highly strung for me. Oh, I didn't realise that mine was your favourite. That's nice. That's really nice. They head back to the castle to go to Charms. And what do the lads notice when they get to Charms? Um... Oh, Hermione's not turned up? Yeah, she's not there. She's not even there. So um, they do cheering charms. They head back to... Let's um, not gloss over some this. Apple pie. Oh, Rob, yeah, <laughs> Rob's shaking his head. Let's not gloss... What, the apple pie? No, let's not gloss over the cheering charms. Okay. A cheering charm, as I understand it, is, is a drug, essentially. It's like a happy drug. And yeah. why aren't they just pumping themselves full of cheering charms back to back and just getting absolutely off their face? Why don't you just pump yourself full of drugs back to back, Rob? There's ill effects of drugs. There's side effects. There's come downs. So do you think that there might be come downs and side effects from a, a cheering charm? If, if used in excess? Well, it doesn't seem to mention it. Well, no, it doesn't mention it. Engage in some self-pleasure. Fanon. Engage in some fanon. Some what? Fa- uh, uh. Uh, don't worry. Right. So they have the apple pie. Do they? Well, they in apple yeah, pie. Yeah, they have some apple pie. Which for me, like at lunchtime, they have some apple pie. Like you've got a cheering charm, then apple pie. They must be thinking, what, what a oh, great day. Absolutely going off. What, Phil, yeah, what, are you, like, um, what are you having with your apple pie, Phil? Um, I think I'd go for um, ice cream or custard. But Rob, something. Which you... one though? I must push you on this, Phil. Is it winter or summer? It's autumn. Well, we know, we know <laughs> custard. It's isn't it Easter time or summer? No, but in this, but I just mean in the hypothetical situation where I've got an apple pie. What was your answer? Custard. Custard. Yeah. Rob, Good. something you need to know about um, Phil and apple pie is that <laughs> he doesn't eat the pastry. I just go straight. Just well, my new favourite thing is apple dried apple rings. Not as good as apple pie. <laughs> no. By Sainsbury's for the benefit of the listeners. <laughs> say that, we need to wait till they sponsor us. What? Who's going to sponsor us? Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's. Yeah. I think yeah. you're aiming high. I'd go for Londis. They can send Phil some apple rings. <laughs> yeah, because uh, that's the last pack. Phil, <laughs> you could... <laughs> We need some for next week. <laughs> Phil, you know, you should probably just buy that, like, pureed apple they do for babies. Because that's basically, like, apple pie filling. Do you know what? I regularly shop in the baby food aisle. 
because you often get like good little bars of stuff. Oh my god, I love rust. What's wrong with the ones for, for adults? May I ask? No, they're better. Yeah, they're better. They are a bit small though. To be fair, small portions. <laughs> I mean, we should we should move on. We're only about. So they have the apple pie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so they have the apple pie, um, and they start to think, oh. Where is Hermione? She's missed out on apple pie. And they go and find her. And, and what, what had to happen to Hermione, Rob? Um, she's basically just missed the lesson. Like she's just yeah. she's she's so kind of strung out with her timetable. She's just she's just missed it. She goes to kind of speak to Professor Flitwick and all those kinds of things, um, deals with it all, and they all head to divination. Now, what goes down in divination? They're doing crystal gazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're all like, just, this is a kind of piss take. Yeah. Um, and in particular, who's had enough? Hermione, she, she, she's, you know, obviously still pretty kind of stressed out and just bins it off. Yeah, it's just one of those days for her, isn't it? Trelawney calls her mind mundane. Mundane, I know, so harsh. I hate it if someone said that to me yeah well no one ever would (laughs) (laughs) thank you so the thing that really kind of tips Hermione over the edge is Trelawney insinuating again that she's seen this grim so basically Hermione tells her she can jog on and um she just walks out which is cool (laughs) What like how you? Because this is the thing. Like I see, I didn't realize that. Like I said, that Hermione was your favorite character. For me, this chapter, you really, she really comes through. Everything that's been building up, she just does it. And I love Hermione because she's a bit of a goody goody sometimes, but she's also got this really fiery side. She doesn't just agree with authority, does she? No, she does what she... She's really driven and she's very principled. And a lot of times that, like, that lines up with, like, exactly. doing the right thing or doing, like, following the rules. But she doesn't do it because it's following the rules. She does it because, like, she's very driven and principled. And so when her principles don't line up with the rules, she, like, is just as driven to not follow the rules. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and we see that obviously throughout the series taking on more and more figures in authority, which is all stuff you should look forward to, Rob, which I know you are. Okay, as time's going on then, um, Ron kind of takes over the research for Buckbeak's appeal. Obviously, the main event of this chapter is coming up and the tension in the school is like nothing before. It's all kicking off. Night before the match, they're all in the common room. Everyone's super excited. No one really knows what to do with themselves with all this nervous energy. Harry goes to sleep. He sleeps really badly. He's really, really stressed. When he wakes up the next morning, he has to remind himself that the match hasn't actually happened yet. But when he does wake up early, he looks out at the grounds. And what does he see near the Whomping Willow? Is this how he sees Crookshanks and a dog? Yes. cruising together yeah he sees the grim and he's like oh no not today and then he notices that crookshanks is also there yeah what's going on there well what what does that kind of tell him cats cats like grims cats and grims get along cats and grims that's not what harry's takeaway is together he says that if well that doesn't really make sense what he says though because he says what does he say he says if the cat can see the dog, 
yeah then the dog must be real and it isn't just like my figment of my imagination my death omen what are you gonna say here i'm really interested that your objection with that because it makes sense to me just because a cat's cruising with next to your vision of a dog doesn't mean the cat sees the dog (laughs) hold on so you think the dog's like a hologram that the cat can't see and the cat's just happens to be wandering in the vicinity yeah quite quite possible that the cat's just walking along to you that's more likely than it being a dog dog. well if i look out the window now and saw a fox walking along yeah i could envision a badger walking along next to it right doesn't mean doesn't mean doesn't mean the badger's there because the fox is cruising with it. No, no, you're you're saying you're taking the grim to be like a figment of Harry's imagination, whereas the grim is is like it's an omen that you that you're not imagining, but only you can see it. I don't know. Does that, does anyone know is what I'm how- saying? <laughs> not really. I'm yeah. getting more confused. I understand what it means in the book, but now I'm really confused. <laughs> I didn't get the fox and the badger. Let's move this on. Okay. It's match time. What goes down in the match, Rob? Um, first off, he gets a little um gets a little wink, wink and a uh, encouragement from Cho Chang. Let's not gloss over that. Yeah. Um, I forgot how much of a fan you are. Joe Jack. Yeah. Um, so there's there's obviously this this sort of um, situation where they have to be like fifty points ahead before he catches the. Um, I almost almost called it the Grinch there, the Snitch. Yeah, we have this situation where mm-hmm. he's like, it's not a kind of you know standard race to the to the Snitch. He's got to sort of you know faff around a bit, do a bit of bit of fakery. Mm. And wait till they're fifty points ahead before he goes yeah. for it. So yeah, he does a few um, decoys. Um, we get a lot of Jordan, yeah. Lee Jordan chat. What's the match like? Oh, uh, it's yeah, it gets a bit feisty, isn't it? it gets a bit spicy. Um, it's filthy. Yeah, it's- <laughs> going on. There's some shit in all all directions. Rob, I would say now that you've read it and there'd be no spoilers, I really, really think you should listen to Stephen Fry read this chapter. Because it brings it out so much more than I think just reading it like Yeah, I think I think any kind of um any kind of description of a sporting event is is can be quite difficult in in kind of yeah writing it because it's difficult to yeah. describe all the, the situations that, that you that you would see as if you're watching this happen. I think that's why she chooses the commentator as mm. a yeah. As a you know, a device, and I think it works really well. And it's so, yeah, it's so Lee good. Jordan is great in this. So, so good, funny. and it it really does become like a bit of a Jordan McGonagall double act, doesn't it? Yeah, the unlikely comedy duo that is. Yeah, she's she's playing the straight one, keeping it online. Yeah, until Malfoy pulls his uh, broom tail, and then and then she's like, she loses it. Her hat falls off. She's she like, loses it. Basically, making a wanker sign at him. It's it's, it's totally kicked off. <laughs> and obviously, at the end of it all, our hero Harry 
gets that snitch and there's tears and there's like lifting up on shoulders, like basically crowd surfing. There's a pitch invader. Yeah, there's a massive Quidditch cup. Um, yeah, so so Rob, how are you feeling? Yeah, it was it was a kind of yeah, pretty euphoric ending. I think I likened it yeah, to as a Gryffindor. To the sort of um yeah, the description and that kind of swell of emotion at the end of a football match if your team win and you're in the crowd. Yeah. And it's just like absolute kind of chaos and I also like the reference to they would have produced the world's best Patronus because it was basically yeah, his happiest cool. moment that was a nice little ending absolutely bless him yeah, I got, I got bless swept him. up listening back to this this week I got you know it was almost like goosebumps imagining the trophy lift yeah yeah. I don't know where Hagrid pipes up would wait till I tell a bird I mean alright mate don't go <laughs> Don't go too far. <laughs> oh, Rob. Oh. Imagine chiming in that. Wait, wait till I get home and tell my dog. But Rob, the, the bird is about to die. Bugby. Yeah. What does it understand of, of, of human voice? It knows when you're being rude. Yeah. True. True. Yeah, I can understand you. Anyway, Phil, any, any, I suppose there's not much more to say on that chapter, is there? That's the end. That is the end of the chapter. Millis, you want to crack on with Professor Trelawney's prediction then? It's exam time. Mm. What do you think of the exams, Rob? Immediate annoyance at the acronym of NEWTS. Oh, oh Rob! What, and OWLs? I mean... Sorry? OWL. you just no. have some fun? No, right, I... Ordinary wizarding levels, I can just about get behind. It's funny that that's ours, that that kind of, you know, I, I see what she's done there. But then nastily exhausting wizarding tests just feel <laughs> so forced. <laughs> she's like, I've got to think of something else that is wizard related. And then this massive shoehorn comes out and she just... <laughs> oh, I, like I think it. that might be one for the grown-ups. No, I think it's one for the six-year-olds. <laughs> no, I mean, what he says, I think him, he knows right? that's really silly. It's one of those where it's like, you know, I feel like she's, at this point, she's trying to market to quite an, an age spread. And some of the writing is like, I'm going at the 16-year-olds. And some of it's like, here's some silly stuff that you can enjoy. What was your favourite exam, Rob? What that I've actually done in my life? No. Oh. I don't know what my favourite exam was that I've done in my life. I go on. Know. No, go on, Phil. What was it? I really enjoyed my um GCS one of my GCSE history papers. Yeah. To the point where I would have been I remember finishing being like, I wish I could go back and answer the alternate questions as well. <laughs> were, you, were you bullied at school, Phil? As <laughs> it okay, right, where are we going? <laughs> okay. Per, well, what, Rob never told oh, me yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, Rob was going to answer. I like the one where they just—it's—it's it's an absolute piss take they, where they have to keep a flobber worm alive for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I love that. That's hilarious, isn't it? Hagrid's just absolutely phoned it in. Yeah, can't be asked. Keep a flobber worm alive is to just, <laughs> just leave it alone. Me. I remember actually doing 
an exam and I can't remember whether it was I can't remember if it was biology or PE, but one of the questions was basically like, you're going to walk up a mountain, what shoes do you wear? And it was multiple choice. And it was literally like <laughs> a pair of... biology. This is not biology. No, but I remember it. I think it might have been science because I remember just thinking... Flippers. No, it was literally like high heels, a robust pair of walking shoes, or like, you know, some bowling shoes or something. I was like, this is fucking broken Britain. I like the defense against the dark, dark art. Oh, that is a great exam. test, isn't it? Like a fun obstacle. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, the obstacle course. Oh, in fact, during that exam, what happens to Hermione? What does she struggle with? Um, oh, yeah. So she comes across the bogger at the end of the assault course, whatever it is. And it's basically, um, I can't remember who telling her that she's failed all the exams. Yeah, it's Professor which, yeah, which makes sense as it's her, like, you know, greatest fear at that time, biggest stress. Yeah, poor thing. She's the only one in the whole class that's never faced a bogger before. So it feels really, mm. really sly, doesn't it, that she does it for the first time in the exams yeah. and is totally taken aback. Yeah, it is harsh. And she's, but she also, she's so like anxious and stressed that she's in like a much more weakened position. And after that exam, who do they bump into um, going back into the castle? It's Fudge. Fudge in his dodgy green suit is back. Why is he he there? I've pictured Fudge from the beginning looking like um, the fella from... That controller from Thomas the Tank Engine? No, 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 no. Like, um, is it Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? No, is is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a ginger fellow with a hat and the green from the film. Which film? The old one, Gene Gene Wilder. Wilder. I mean, Willy Wonka. Yeah, what did I say? Charlie and the actual Willy Wonka. Yeah, no, no, no. it's the same story. Oh, yeah, Rob, have you you not read? God, are you not? Have you not read any Roald Dahl? (laughs) Is Willy Wonka? Hang on, are they the same? Charlie is Willy Wonka. No, 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 right. Charlie is the boy. No, Charlie's not Willy Wonka, but they 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 interact. It's the same story. Charlie Bucket is yes, the protagonist of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But the original film was called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Right, I've imagined it's Cornelius Fudge. Story. Cornelius Fudge equals Willy Wonka. I would say that Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka is um, far more almost self-assured than fudge yeah. i would say you know like yeah rob is it is also it far more eccentric yeah it's, I don't it's, imagine it's the complete opposite can we just can we just get a clarification you've seen that movie right charlie and the chocolate factory i've seen po- po- pockets of it yeah right have it's you really read have, have you read any rolled doll books yes i have yeah okay that's good. which ones um James and the Giant Peach. Oh, it's a great one. Brilliant. Mm, don't know if I've read it. I might have just okay. seen the film. And no, well, right, Rob, next, the next podcast series is going to be all about Roald Dahl. <laughs> Definitely. And um, The Big Friendly Giant. Yeah, great yeah. one. Yeah. Again, I think yeah. I only watched that. No, Rob, have you read any Roald Dahl? Was there one about a crocodile? The Enormous Crocodile. Yeah, I read that. It's a good one. Thanked that. Yeah, that was a good one. All right, let's move on. I'm worried about Rob's childhood. No, I think it was. It was all right. I had a wooden oh. dog on a string. 
Anyway, who's with Fudge? The ex some executioner and some old boy. How do Harry, Ron, and Hermione respond to this? Well, it's like you know, it's kind of signed, sealed, delivered already. The executioner's there. It seems a bit corrupt because it is. Welcome, welcome to corruption and injustice, guys. At the age of thirteen. So yeah, so the last exam is divination with Professor Trelawney. Um, and how does that work? I think you're looking at a crystal ball or something, and she she gives her, you know, you have to say what you see. Yeah, Ron basically tries to kind of bluff his way through it. And then um, Harry gets called in, and yeah, he... Oh, yeah, he sees a hippogriff. And then, like, he basically sees the hippogriff getting off. And she's like, you sure we don't see it covered in blood? Um, and his head falling off. He's like, no, it looks fine. He gets quite angry, doesn't he? Yeah. And then she goes all fucking Derek Acora on him. <laughs> and... <laughs> And starts sort of shivering. And so she goes, yeah, she goes off and into this kind of trance and, and starts saying that the Dark Lord's coming and his servants, midnight, something's happening. He basically puts the right shitters up, Harry. And then she kind of comes to and she's like, well, I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you were talking about. Um, so naturally, he's pretty kind of um confused and sort of annoyed by that i think mm. what did you think about it yeah it's a bit weird a bit weird she's she's an odd she's an oddball this one um i thought yeah it seemed quite legit i mean i think you're going quite far if you're making this up as a teacher yeah so i was on board with it um okay and then, yeah, that they, they, you know, that's kind of interrupted with the news that um, the appeal's been lost and uh, Buckbeaks for the chop. Yeah, sad news. How do you feel about that? Yeah, You're an animal lover. Yeah, not great. Not great. Should never happen, really. I don't think. No, it shouldn't. No, well, he's not. He's not a danger to anyone, is he, really? No. Just, just you know, especially when it seems to be their kind of trait, is just don't, don't exactly. insult them. Yeah. Which, like, you shouldn't insult people, anyone anyway. Like, just don't, don't go around, like, insulting people or hippogriffs. <laughs> that's, that's, that's one for the wall, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. There's a quote for the wall. Okay. So, what do they decide they're going to do? Hmm, that's a good question, Millers. They decide to go and see Hagrid, and you know, see how he's see how he's doing because he, yeah, he's obviously going to be pretty um pretty heartbroken. Yeah, but they are not allowed outside after dark. Yes, so they cloak it up. So Hermione pops back to the um the hump, climbs in the hump. And gets the cloak, and then yeah, they 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 shoot down to to Hagrid's, and he's basically like, "Oh, you shouldn't be here," but kind of also allows them in. Does he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he goes in. Who does Hermione discover as she's making the tea? Yeah, so I think he sort of she's she's on a milk jug or something, and um, yeah, Scabbers, Scabbers pops out. 
Scabbers is alive. He's alive and well. Would well, you not believe? well. He's obviously not well, but no, he's not. Um, yeah, he's he's not doing well, but he is alive. And yeah, for some reason, he's in Hagrid's milk jug. What's he doing there? That's the last place I'd be. What's he up to? Okay. So what happens next, Millers? So, so they see that Fudge and McNair are coming on their way down to Hagrid's cabin. So they know they need to get out because Hagrid and the three of them are going to be in trouble if they get caught there. Mm. So they really want to stay with Hagrid, but Hagrid says, no, you've got to go. Um, he makes sure they get out the back door under the cloak before they arrive. Um, and they're, they're walking away from the cabin and what do they hear? Uh, they hear the axe go down. Um, and yeah, Buckbeak getting um, beheaded, potentially. Um, yeah, and, and the, the rats going mental. Yeah. They're sort of squirming around. Yeah. And my thought at this point was the rat was there to try and sort of stop the execution and they've ruined it by taking the rat away that was my theory so rob we've got four chapters left is it five we've got five no. chapters left we've got six chapters left but here's what's happening rob you are in for such a treat buckle up boy. this week you are reading three chapters Oh, God. Okay. Now, don't worry, because one of them is very short. Mm, Okay. I think they're all pretty short. Um, But, so we got some owly post from uh, Nikki, and she suggested that we read Rob the chapter titles, and he should predict... What will happen? I think that's absolutely the right thing that should happen. Um, So, chapter 17 Cat, Rat, and Dog. Okay. Uh, Harry looks out his window. The cat, the dog, and the rat are all walking side by side. We don't know which one is his imagination. Are they linking up? It still doesn't confirm whether the the dog is real or not. Okay. Okay. Chapter 18, Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs. Oh, these are the boys of the, the map. The map. So I think that yeah. the map's gonna come back out. I think it's currently in um in like Lupin's drawer, isn't it? He's he's, yeah, he's got custody there, of yeah. it. So in possession of Lupin, yeah. Yeah, something's gonna happen with that, I reckon. Chapter 19, the servant of Lord Voldemort. Oh, Trelawney. 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 Derek Trelawney has come through. <laughs> I knew, I see, I, I, I believed her. I backed her. Yeah, you backed that. Who do you think it is, though? Who's the servant of Lord Voldemort? Um, who is it? Could be, could be anyone. She could decide it's anyone. Could be Scabbers. Who knows? It could be. Oh. Um, we need ratings. Well, we got yeah, so, an eight. Yeah, so the five, eight. Yeah. the five turned into an eight, and um, then a six. 
So a six for Professor Trelawney's prediction. Rob, I really thought you'd enjoy that one. I think that's a great chapter. No, I mean, I I think the Quidditch final is objectively the the better of of these two chapters, no no doubt. We're nearly at the end. We're like three quarters way through now. Yeah. What would you say the story is so far? Like, summarise the story for me so far. Yeah, so the the the, the main thread is is obviously Sirius Black on the loose and hunting Harry, but he hasn't really been he hasn't really cropped up for a couple of good couple of chapters, mm. um, yeah, and the Dementors yeah. haven't been mentioned much either. No. Um, so, how do you think this is going to kind of wrap up in the next six chapters? Uh, Sirius Sirius Black will manifest in some way, whether being caught or not being caught. Mm-hmm. He'll probably pop up closer. Um, you know, they love. I think Voldemort's going to make an appearance. Um, no, yeah, there's no reason to believe so. I don't think it's going to be summer, isn't it? Um, he's that's he, he normally shows up in summer, does he? Well, the last two books we've seen him at the year, he? he doesn't seem like a summer kind of guy from what I've seen of him. I do know what you I mean. Do know what you mean. Well, the thing is, Rob, but... Rob, Rob believes Trelawney's prediction to be legit, and part of her prediction is that the Dark Lord lies alone and friendless. Yeah, when I said there was absolutely no, <laughs> no, no inclination of him, no intention of him being here, actually, I yeah completely disagree with that. He is, he is coming. <laughs> He's coming. He's slapping on his factor fifty on his snaky skin, ready for the for yeah. The warm pay weather. off. Pay off. Yeah, he does normally yeah. turn up underground, doesn't he? Rob, yeah. Before you go anywhere, I have got some muggle mail. This is from a long time friend of the show, Lauren. She says, I really don't think Rob is giving Harry enough credit as a three-dimensional character by saying he only wants to go to Hogsmeade for the sweets or butterbeer. Harry has spent his whole childhood being an outsider at the Dursleys. He finally finds somewhere he is accepted and belongs at Hogwarts. And that sense of belonging is taken away when everyone goes to Hogsmeade without him and he's an outsider again. Anyone else got anything else for Rob before or should we let him go? I've got no, no, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. All right, mate. Good luck. Bye, 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 bye. bye. I love you, bye. He's gone. He is gone. Thoughts. He's gone. Can I just be the first one to say he predicted it accurately, didn't he? Yeah, but as a joke. He didn't mean to. Yeah, it was like blasé. But he liked that, if he remembers. It was blasé, but he predicted that Scabbers is the servant of the Voldemort. What annoys me is that he almost refuses to engage in the idea that there's any storyline. I know. But if you don't know, but to be fair, if you don't know... Sorry. No, I'm not saying predict or know what's going on. But, you know, when you say, oh, what's happened so far in the story, he acts like nothing. He's like, oh, it's all about serious back. But then also, he's like, oh, it's all about serious back, but he hasn't turned up. But then at the same time, even though he's been told that serious back was one of Lord Voldemort's biggest supporters, and 
Yeah. Oh, it's all about serious back. Serious back is going to turn up at the end. Voldemort will probably turn up at the end. And the like one of the next chapters is called The Servant of Lord Voldemort. He still doesn't think that that's going to be serious back. I don't think he is even thinking. To no, be but what? Yeah, but that and what annoys me is that he's almost like refusing to engage. Mm. He doesn't. It's not like he doesn't want to lower himself. Thing I mean, is, raise himself to our level. Obviously, I thought about pushing him. I thought about being like, you know, we have been introduced to a character who, you know, we're we're told was Lord Voldemort, his most yeah, loyal was, supporter. You know, can you think who that might? I thought about doing that, but then I was like, nah, don't do that because, like, you know, just let him, just let him, let him read it. Do you think he just got overexcited about the Quidditch? I think he loved the Quidditch. She said he was all caught up in the emotion of it. That's amazing. And to be fair, imagine that you don't know what happens next. Like, where does this book go? I, I know when I was reading it, I was thinking Black's about to turn up. Well, the point is that you don't have to know where it's, it's going to go. It's kind of obvious. Rob knows that Black's going to turn up. But, like, what kind of depth of you know he pretty much says black's going to turn up in some way or he's going he's going to be caught or he's not and he's pretty much right in that sense but you know he's not about to say yeah. oh, i bet scabbers bites ron's finger and runs off and then they chase him and then a dog comes no i'm not expecting him to get guess it or get it right he shouldn't the point is he's just not engaging him he's acting like he's not reading a story fair enough all I'd say is, I do think at this point, I think it does feel like the story's a bit rudderless. So, um, at school, in reading, when the kids read, like, a book or a section of their book, like, the next day they have to do, like, a little follow-up task about it. And I think that, like, Rob needs to do some homework. Like, he needs to, like, reorder, you know, like, sequence different parts of the story. Mm. Maybe draw a picture. Yeah, draw a picture to show a scene. Maybe, like, write a thought bubble for one of the characters. What he could do, like, a freeze frame yeah. and we could tap him on the shoulder and he could say how that character's feeling in that moment. Exactly. So, like, if he was scabbers in the milk jug and then we would tap in and he would have to say, like, scared. I'm here to say, fuck me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was brilliant. You think Scabbers was there to say fuck me, and they've never. That's brilliant. Don't, don't take me with you. I've got a job to do. <laughs> That's why Scabbers is kicking off. He's like, I'm here to save you, fuck me, mate. <laughs> right. Hey. Through these chapters, then in a in a sort of deep divey way. Yeah. Hermione in the Quidditch final. We already touched on it. Like, she is epic in this chapter. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. She's also under like a huge amount of stress. It, it sounds like she's doing like an extra three or four hours per day. But also, and I mean, like, like your day is literally longer. Yeah, but also she like yeah. she's. Her, the organisational skills it takes from her to like she's got to yeah. be like making sure she's going back the right amount in the being in like knowing where she, yeah like the other one of her is making like it's 
it's huge like that she's been doing that all year and like managing that well I have two questions about the time turner in relation to Hermione because we haven't talked about it much yet and I think it's a good time to talk about it no we haven't so one what do you think the criteria is for the school organizing a time turner to be given to a student because the risks are high and the gain is what she gets to do more subjects so what what level of qualification of student do you think is required so let's just start with that has it been done before is this like unprecedented it doesn't say if it's been done before. So I would make the assumption that it has. Mm. I would too. And, well, we know later on when Hermione and Harry are talking about the time turner, she says, Professor McGonagall had to write all sorts of letters about how I was a model student and blah, blah, blah. So we know that the, probably the biggest part of the criteria, far, far more important than intelligence itself, even though obviously it's going to go hand in hand, um, is to do with like the reliability and the trustworthiness of that person yeah. so that obviously had to be vouched for yeah. with the ministry and I think it would very much be a like once in a blue moon kind of thing so maybe Dumbledore was allowed to use one to do extra studies you know like it you be almost be genius level I think my thought on this was that like there needs to be a case to be made that this student is like a potential future top yeah, level ministry yeah top level ministry employee yeah. my second question in relation to the time turner is to do with some of that like risk that we've that we've talked about and is definitely yeah. highlighted here's the risk with the time turner when Harry and Hermione use it. The original Harry and Hermione, who live those hours first, don't know that Harry and Hermione are going to use it. (laughs) And that is the risk that they see themselves and that they freak out. But Hermione using it all the way through the school year would be aware that if she saw herself that it would only be because, well, she knows why. Yeah. So that yeah. risk which is raised of like, of like, oh, you could go mad, see, you know, seeing yourself and not knowing why, that's only really possible if you don't know that you're in possession of a time turner and then you suddenly become in possession of one and go back to a time before you knew you had one. Yeah. Which yeah, must be right. a very rare occurrence. So for someone who owns one, for someone who actually owns one, which obviously is like virtually no one at this point, the ministry has rounded them all up and controls them. For someone who owns one, there's actually very little risk, isn't there? Hermione's always banging on about how they can't be seen in those chapters, but really it's that Harry shouldn't see himself. If Hermione saw her, she'd be like, oh my God, I've used the time turner for something here. Yeah, for something I'm not supposed to. I should, to I should not yeah. interfere with that, Hermione, because she knows something I don't. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she's worried about, about Harry. Yeah, she's worried yeah. about Harry yeah. and what Harry will do. Yeah. She has to be worried about what Harry will do or what other people yeah. would do if they saw two of, two them. of them. That's 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 obviously risk, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and if, that's, that's her risk you, in school all year. Yeah, because if you are able to see yourself, then... Obviously, someone was probably able to see both of you. Yes. 
Do you think that Trelawney would read as foolishly to to some people nowadays? Because she's talking a lot about like your inner eye, the super conscious, you know, closing down your exterior eyes. She's talking uh, like if you've done Headspace, the app. Yeah, you that's know? true. Yeah, yeah. way more woo woo than she Headspace. Talk, she talks like that guy. No. Yeah. I, I reckon some teenagers and people in their early 20s who picked up Harry Potter now would be like, this Trelawney knows what she's on about. Yeah, but they're the ones that buy crystals and burn essential oils. <laughs> I've got crystals and I like essential oils. She's done you there. And lots of people would be like, I think divination actually sounds like really good for the kids. Like actually like really good, kind of like clearing their mind. From like a well-being. Learning, yeah, like you. learning some wellness and, but you know, that, trying to no. think about life. No. You know, maybe they'll see something in their future and, you know, maybe they can like work towards no, that. No, you're, you're projecting your idea of that kind of class onto it. That is not what the class is at all. If it was like a wellness or a mindfulness class, then yes, it'd be like a very very in now and, and very good for the kids. She's constantly predicting kids like yeah that's not wellness just a couple of interesting comments i think on the quidditch game firstly yeah the the chaos and the the violence is brilliant um just a couple of things that we've touched on before changes in the slytherin lineup jordan comments on this lee jordan yes oh captain flint's made quite a few changes in the slytherin lineup and they've basically picked like, um, you know, they've sent, out, they've sent out the forwards basically for this game. Yeah. And yeah, that, I think that's interesting because we always see such consistent Gryffindor teams and we've had these conversations about, oh, if they're missing a player, who fills in or like how often can they rotate yeah. or change and that kind of thing. And it looks like you can literally pick game to game, but maybe that's not necessarily yeah. the done thing. It's in, well, maybe they just have a different way of working because with Gryffindor... That that core team are the only people who train. Certainly, when you read the training yeah. sessions, like no one else is there, so they don't have like a um, the like depth of. But what training sessions do we see? Just the one that they interrupt in chamber, isn't it? No, we see several. We've seen one at least one in this. Oh, the Gryffindor training sessions. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yes. Like, Gryffindor yeah. don't have anyone else to choose from that that they train with. No, no, certainly no one that they... Whereas, yeah, but um, whereas when it's Harry's team, there's a lot of change, isn't there? Yeah. I suppose that... He has to do a trial. He has to do another trial, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that this is the most satisfying Quidditch victory in the whole series? Like... I do love it. It probably is from a reader's point of view. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Like, because obviously I love Weasley as our kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good, that is a good victory. Definitely. But like, it's so sly when like they're singing a new version and Harry and Hermione have missed the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. Also, as much as I think he's an absolute mentalist, I... 
yeah, like I love the win for Wood. Yeah. More than I really yeah. care about the win for Harry. It's also, it's briefly mentioned that Percy needs um, top grades to get into the ministry. Thoughts? Well, I think that's to do with where he wants to be in the ministry. Because, like, you're not going to need top grades to be on de- on reception. Yeah. No. You know what I mean? I think it's to get to... I reckon he wants to enter in on, like, a grad scheme. Yeah. And also, it does make sense that you have to have decent grades because... There's not going to be a high turnover of staff in the ministry. No. There aren't loads of other jobs for them to go to. What's well, it's a kind of job for life kind of thing, isn't it? So yeah. basically, you're waiting for someone to retire or die. That's a good point. Yeah, and and you know they've only really got one feeder, and that's Hogwarts. My last kind of thoughts on these chapters, beyond just like silly things that we're definitely not putting in. Like there was the mention of a chocolate sundae. Does that sound more like the kind of ice cream? I lo- don't really like ice cream without the cone. But what about when there's no cone, but there's a wafer? No. I'm happy if it's alongside a cake. Like if I've got like sticky do- hot sticky dough pudding and then like a, a, a scoop of ice cream, great. But if it's just ice cream, it's got to be in the cone. I'm not interested in having like ice cream as desserts. And the last few things actually relate to uh, Buckbeak. And there's a nice parallel here because in a similar way to how Rob has accidentally correctly predicted that Scabbers is the servant of Lord Voldemort, Harry accidentally predicts Buckbeak's fate in the the crystal ball. (laughs) He says, no, he's not dead, he's flying away. Um, which is yeah, just because he just because he wants to almost be like contrary. Yeah, and he's like, just being blasé. Not like blasé. Rob... He's being like stubborn. Yes, yes, he's that's so true. Annoyed yeah, Trelawney. that's true. But he he sort of unknowingly accidentally makes a correct prediction. But he fails divination. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the other thing about Buckbeak, which I do think is a interesting question, and one I'd like you guys to. Give me your thoughts on. If you had an organised committee for the destruction or disposal of dangerous creatures, why would your method of execution be decapitation with axe rather than cadaver? I mean, it's just brutal. That's just unnecessary brutality, only, isn't it? Can only be that he enjoys it well the McNair likes it yeah we know that with McNair he yeah he enjoys it do you think there is concern perhaps that some magical creatures um not that it wouldn't work on them but like it might be safer to try and use a non-magical form of attack so as not to uh, inadvertently provoke any kind of magical defence. And it is also, from a story point of view, it's not time for us, the readers, to learn about Avada Kedavra. That's true. Yeah. So I think the reality is it's much neater for the story, but also, like, it's so oh it's horrible 
Oh, so I reread the books got maybe about five years ago. And on that rereading, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, it's really obvious because she says, Rowling says, Harry has this surreal feeling as he leaves. And we know that he's being watched by himself. Mm. And then that Buckbeak seemed to know something was going on mm. because he was he looks from Harry and Hermione and Ron to what we know is Harry and Hermione in the trees. Mm. Mm. So she does acknowledge the surrealness of all of that. But we, when you read it for the first time, you don't know what she means by it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Just like Harry doesn't know. Exactly. Yeah. So you read it and you think, God, yeah, it, it probably would feel very surreal. Like that's the last time they're seeing Buckbeak and la la la. But actually, that Harry's actually got that feeling of being watched. What do we really think Rob is going to say about these next three chapters? Because, and, and again, listeners, if you've got questions about these three chapters, get get them in, regardless of what like time it is. Um, get them in, because they're so good. So they're going to go into the Shrieking Shack. The whole thing with Black and Lupin and Pettigrew is revealed. And it's... it's I such, think he's going to love epic, it. Epic it's story. so epic. I think he's, his mind's going to be absolutely blown and he's going to love it. Mainly because if he doesn't, I'm just going to tell him to do one. The thing is, the last time we were on a precipice like this, Harry was just going into the Chamber of Secrets and we were, oh, we were like, oh, his mind's going to be blown about who Tom Riddle is. And then he didn't understand who Tom Riddle was and he, and he didn't understand why Harry closed his eyes. And I just hope, I hope he really pays attention to it and really, you know, gets the most. Yeah. I don't want to raise my hopes too much. So, um, several things. Number one, we had we got a message from a new real fan. Uh, yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, and requested the the photo of King A that I hadn't put up yet from last week, so I put that up. What my brilliant hair. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they also said they're really happy that we're like taking our time. Yeah. Like and doing Oh, that's nice. Like, like rushing through, like doing things quickly. So Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Goblet of Fire will probably be going down to a chapter and episode. We are in it for yeah. guys and we are dragging Rob along with us, the intention and screaming. <laughs> Question from Will Clark. What do you think Draco's boggart would be? Oh, that's a really good question. What's I think question? that de completely depends on what book we're in, where we're where we are in the story. Yeah, but uh, it would be with some sort of drop from status, wouldn't it? How that kind of materializes? Making it now, maybe yeah, being poor being muggle born 
What would it be if he saw a bogger in Order of the Phoenix? So in Phoenix, he is... He hasn't become... No, not yet. I reckon if he saw a bogger in Phoenix, it would be Voldemort. Do you think? Yeah. I reckon, I, reckon, I reckon Draco is immediately terrified of Voldemort as soon as he, as soon as he reappears. This is from Ems. I couldn't be asked to write this one out. Um, I liked sort of Matt's description of the Dementor, the effect of the Dementor's kiss, um, like sort of severe suicidal depression you can't escape from. Are you guys under the impression that once somebody's been given a kiss, it's forever and they can never die and they're in this stay forever? If so, where are these people kept? Or do you think that they're put in that state until whenever they would have naturally died um, because they obviously can't kill themselves or, or they have no desire to kill themselves or to do anything. Do you think they just eventually die of old age? Is that Michael Sheen that sent that in? <laughs> <laughs> it does sound a bit like Michael Sheen. I love that. I think that's a fantastic question. Bleak, a yeah. bleak, a I very think... interesting question. Yeah, I think they just waste away, yeah. I think they probably die reasonably quickly just from, like, lack of interest. I agree. In food yeah. or anything that gives you any pleasure. Yeah. I think that they don't they don't live forever, as it were, and have to be no. kept somewhere or stored or, or something. I think they just die of the natural causes that you would die of um, either old age or some kind of disease that goes untreated or just lack of. Yeah. It probably doesn't take years for that to happen, but it probably takes, you know, at least a year or more. Yeah. I was going to say like, I don't imagine you live longer than five years after you've had sedimentous. No, because how, and that would be if it happened to you when you were really young. Yeah, because you would yeah. eat so seldom. Yeah, and you like, just... in theory, you'd like, have to if, basically be fed. In you? theory, if you were trying to keep yeah. alive, like that was your intention, like you could keep them alive for like a natural lifetime. But why would you? Yeah, like no one's doing that, are they? In reality. You're, if you're not caring for yourself and no one else is caring for you, you're not going to live. No. I think we should also remember that a Dementor's kiss is an incredibly rare occurrence. Really It would rare. have been far more yeah. common um, before the days that the Dementors were sort of, you know, brought under the control Please. of the ministry. Yeah. You know, they have been yeah. a more wild uh, creature at that point. And then I suppose if a Dementor kissed, you know, someone in your family you probably would then sustain them, you know, mm. which would be horrible. Uh, but what's the other option? Long-time friend of the show, Lauren, sent in some outposts this week. She said, I loved the podcast this week. Great to hear Kate's insights. And also really enjoyed Paul's heroic efforts at the opening lines. Oh, yeah, that is good, yeah. Maybe this could be a regular feature where people send their alternate phrasings. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, I'd love that too. I'd love that too. That is like something that we don't do much, which is quite common in like podcasts. Is features become a more 
more of a thing. Well, yeah, I mean, if you've got a favourite, you know, classic moment in Harry Potter that you'd like to rewrite in your own in your own words, please do. send it in. We'll read it out. Yeah, that would be great. About, I'd love that. You know, the reveal of Voldemort on the back of Quirrell's head or the moment Harry writes in Riddle's diary for the first time or when Harry brings Cedric back from the maze or oh. any of these like, you know, big, amazing moments. If you want to rewrite them in your own style, please. That'd be wonderful. All right. I think that's it, isn't it, for this week? Well, thank you for listening to the Harry Potter Virgin. Our theme tune was an original composition by Patrick Steed. It's goodbye from Millers. Goodbye. Goodbye from Phil. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.